Missing out, APM and leveling up. Skill shots, build orders, gotta gear up with legendary drops. So let's go and do the daily grind. Hey guys, and welcome to another uh, daily grind podcast. Your gracious hosts, Sean Cop and Miles Eshenique. That's me. So today we're going to be flying a little off the cuff because we don't have a huge itinerary, and based on last episode we kind of wanted to see what the podcast would be like without any sort of rhyme or reason with a sort of loosely based topic we're kind of like gamers chasing cars we wouldn't know what to do with one if we caught it i feel like i've heard that in some iconic movie Hmm. nope that was off the cuff as they say nice completely original good that's an example of the original content you can expect to find here That's on the Daily That's exactly Grind. right. Set the bar so, low. So, Miles, talk to me. Um, what have you been playing lately? I actually just finished Forza. That's the pretentious way of saying it, I think. Forza Horizon 2. I picked it up. Is that a game that can be finished? Yeah, but it'll take a really long time. This one is more... That was kind of interesting about this game. I hadn't played the first one, but this one, um, actually, it's kind of like a road trip around... Europe, and mm-hmm. you start out, there's this summer-long tournament that you take place in, and you just drive around from city to city and pick up races along the way. The interesting thing about it is that it's not as progression-oriented as, like, Gran Turismo or their other forces, so mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. The thing that was challenging about it, though, is... There was, I think, like six cities, and in each city you had a different bracket of the race, like different uh, classes. So it would be like off-road, super sport, retro, super sport, and there's just a ton of them. Yeah, the different classes are a pretty iconic sort of way to go in these racing games, right? Yeah, but I just, uh, you could beat it on like a baseline level, sort of, you just race all the races and then you can if you're a completionist you can go back and finish every class at every city but that was just too much uh so you're playing this on xbox one of course right yep and is this the most time that you've sunk into that console um i don't think so i i played dead rising 3 and that was a pretty lengthy game but i actually enjoyed getting all like the collectible sort of stuff in that game so I spent a lot more time than just the story on that one. And uh, let's see. There's Halo Master Chief Collection. I played through that with Grady, one of our friends. Oh, wow. You played through all the Halo series? Uh, one through one and two we played through okay. because we hadn't played them in a really long time. Sure. And uh, two was unbelievable. I could yeah. not begin to believe what I was seeing. I was like, really? This is... It's yeah, because it's all remastered, right? It's new graphics mm-hmm. and uh, high, high fidelity voiceovers and things like that. It was incredible. If you don't okay. have it, I would pick I got, it up. No, I do have it, and I I need to go back. The thing that's been putting me off is I jumped right into multiplayer. See, and did you have issues with I've, that? Oh yeah, and I mean it's notorious. Like every podcast I've listened to, every article I've read about it, have just said that. The issues with it are just very, very problematic. It takes forever to get into a game. It's really spotty matchmaking. Um, you know, obviously, people went into the game thinking that they were getting the whole Halo Two experience again. 
you know, sort of rekindle that nostalgia and, uh, man, pissed a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't connect and ran into all that. So that was that was uh, in the very beginning. And now I jumped in just curious a couple days ago and I just wanted to see what the situation was. And so far it seems like matchmaking is a little better, but obviously just jumping right back in. Some of the, some of the skills in the game are kind of like riding a bike and some of them obviously are... Like the timing of when the weapons spawn, getting, you know, transferring from mainly PC playing to getting back into twin stick first person shooters. Do you have a lot of trouble with that, doing that? Not not as much when some, when something's so ingrained in me as Halo, you know, but you notice it in little small ways. You know, you have this sort of uh, picture of yourself as the Halo master. Of course, you know, don't from we your all? History. <laughs> yeah, we do. But some of them are more true than others, obviously. Uh, some of those <laughs> memories. <laughs> but everyone has their shining moments, I guess. But as far as, you know, I, I find myself as I'm getting older and as I'm kind of like dipping between games here and there and trying out different things just to see what I can commit my time to, um, I find myself, yeah, I have a little bit of that sort of cross-platform, cross-game discombobulation. You know what I notice as I've gotten older is I don't really have any allegiance to any one console. That's such a thing of the right. past to me now. It is. It's just, I can't believe how it used to be like the fanboys and the console wars and everything, and I just don't care anymore. I really Well, and it's don't. still, you know, I feel like it doesn't happen as much nowadays because there's so much cross-platform games. There's so many, you know, where more people can play the same thing. I mean, we look at, if you were to go through just the games in the past couple years, most of the big hits are going to be on multiple systems if we were to consider PS4 and Xbox One and Xbox 360 and PS3 the main competitors here. Would you prefer, do you think, like a environment where all games came out on all consoles, or would that worry you because you would think the quality might decline over time? What, I mean, I, well, I absolutely think the quality would decline over time, but also it's not something that I have spent a lot of time thinking about because I, as we talked about on last episode, I've set myself up so that I can enjoy things. Yeah. The one thing, the one thing that does throw me off a little bit is the problem when all games are on all systems, which. One do Which you play on? version do you buy? Yeah, it becomes a little paralyzing. So you don't think yeah. there's going to be any sort of like unification of uh, the gaming industry in a way? No, I mean, in some ways we've already seen it because more people can play games on multiple systems than ever before, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, you have Ori in the Blind Forest, which I've been playing oh, yeah. lately. I saw that and, on Steam. How do you like it? Yeah. It's pretty phenomenal, but that's an example of a game that you can play on both Xbox One and PC. I picked it up on Xbox One because I had store credit, so... We'll talk about it a little bit more, but to answer the question, I think that there's more opportunities for people to play more killer apps, I guess, than ever before. It used to be back in the day when a few games would be out on multiple systems, but it was so hard to develop for specific systems and across the board that people would just pick one. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. and kind of stay firmly in that camp. 
Right. However, I think the, so the one thing that frustrates me nowadays is where a game will be developed specifically for a console and the PC version will be inferior. <laughs> yeah, it'll suffer quite a bit. That's mm-hmm. been the case I've found is when I tried, I got Black Flag, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Right. And I, I went to play it because the last one I played was uh, 3 on PS3 and I liked it. I played every entry in the franchise up until that point. That's pretty and, impressive. Um, no, actually, no, I'm sorry. I missed out on Revelations. Brotherhood? Revelations. So, anyway, I played that game, and I got to a point where I couldn't see what was happening on the screen. I could see the mini-map going, but that was it. And mm-hmm. so I tried to patch it, and there was no patch. I tried to, you know, fix the game uh, cache, and that didn't mm-hmm. work. And eventually I just gave up and uninstalled it, because I just yep. got stuck. And I mean, those Assassin's Creed games, they're so... Like, they now have this, like, weird devoted fan base that I find very similar to the Dark Souls fan base uh, and the Demon Souls, where, like, you know, they've they've now committed themselves. And it's it, for two very different reasons, I guess, but it reminds me of the same mentality. It's like, man, like, I've just been with it for so long that, like, I have these skills and they can recognize the inherent bugs in the game and work around them mm-hmm. similar for bloodborne which i've also been dabbling in you making any progress uh man it's a brutal <laughs> game i yeah i'm gonna I'm, t- I'm gonna take a very concerted break on that game and kind of read up a little bit and i'm just gonna start completely over because i'm at the point now where I think my weapons are degrading and there's nothing I can do about it. So I notice that I'm doing less damage than in the beginning of the game. It's just like there, I'm just going to go through, I think. And I tried the whole thing of just going in and trying the game and trying to learn about it. But this is a game that you actually, I think most people coming into the genre, I guess we could call... The beat your head against the wall genre? Yeah, exactly. You need to figure out at what angle and at what velocity you beat your head against the wall <laughs> it's it's uh, like a, to make it hurt the less yeah exactly <laughs> i was talking to another friend of ours ryan he said he picked up sonic and sonic 2 in uh there's a sega sale last weekend a weekend before then i th- i was thinking back to how far i'd gotten in that game and it was only to like the jungle level so i don't even know what zone oh, that yeah. is but he was like, "Oh my god, that's like a quarter of the way through the game." And I was like, "Jeez, I, I, I th- the more time goes on, the more wildly of a casual I've actually become. I guess that's how I what I've realized. Yeah. yeah, I, I guess I suck at video games a little bit. Well, see, well, here's the thing: is that those older games, everyone has these different sort of memories. Besides for the big hits, you know, like everyone knows like the first stage in Mario, but yep. people do people really know the different levels and the different tricky things that happen in Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario 3, Super Mario World. So I think that a lot of that nostalgia and memory of the games that were really hard that you work through, that you like learned and learned all the muscle memory to get past, learned all the little tricks, like that was very much an era of desperation for games where you, this was the new game that you would play. And oftentimes you didn't always play it to enjoy your time but it was more to beat the game it was like right? a matter of selection like a narrow selection is that what you're saying well no it wasn't a matter of narrow selection it was an act of like 
you didn't have another game to play, and you were tired of all the games you had beat and sunk a hundred hours into. Right. You know, back in like probably late nineties, maybe when the local kind of mom and pop video and video game rental stores were still around. I remember right. like we would just go and look at the covers and be like, that sounds kind of cool. Let's pick that up. And then you'd pick it up and you'd go home and play it. And that was that now yeah, you had five days. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. And now it's, uh, it's just a different ball game because it, there's such a broad, you know, there's a lot of current games you could play, but then obviously there's the backlogged stuff. You have all these games available from previous generations. On the Steam. Like, and... like, like the Sonic games, mm-hmm. you know. It's kind of interesting, so. but I, would you ever go revisit some game that was heralded as one of the greats or... Could you be I don't bothered? Know. I'm I'm kind of getting to that point where I really need to be selective of, about the games that I play. I do have in the corner of my room an old TV that does the. I saw, uh, you know? yeah, I saw yeah. that posted. So I have I have that TV and I have uh, my N64, my GameCube, a PS1, and a PS2. Oh my! So that's pretty much as far back as I'm gonna go when I can like land a few of those whales. You know, I got Wind Waker on the GameCube for ten dollars hey it's pretty good um, which was a pretty good score and uh so i'll jump on that every now and then but i don't think i maybe maybe when my kids get a little older if they have an interest in games i'll hunt down to genesis and say okay we're gonna play through this you know just can't do it right now as an adult mm-hmm. I, there's too there's too much that i'm interested in that i I've, i feel like that era has already been passed yeah I, i'd say so that's kind of where i'm at so we need to halt the uh program here to talk about what april 7th is actually uh, i'll let you take that one actually uh, all right do you have any idea uh, uh, yeah actually i saw just before we started the podcast i saw on instagram someone had made a post hashtag national beer day so today is national beer day because today is the date that r- prohibition Oh. Was repealed, and so um, here's to National Beer Day. Um, I'm drinking. I actually just got finished with the single bottle of Founders Kentucky Bourbon Stout that I was able to acquire. That sounds this year. pretty yummy. I think. And yeah, it's a it's an incredibly coveted beer and a beer that I what you no do to get longer, it? Um, I did unsavory things. Should uh, we to unsavory people? You wanna? talk about that off air yeah yeah okay yeah i'll have a good cry afterwards but so uh, i just finished it it's um i need to double check it's an 11 percent alcohol imperial stout uh it's brewed with chocolate and coffee and aged in oak bourbon barrels and uh it was very good a lot of people crap their pants over this beer uh (laughs) now that the rise of the popularity of craft beer has come to the forefront now people that are just getting into it or have a very limited scope of what beer is out there um go after these sort of whales these very rare beers huh yeah so now so now if 
the thing is is that I drink a fair amount of beer and there's a fair amount of good alternatives to this beer, but for whatever reason this beer and a few others are the ones that people have latched onto and you just simply cannot get anymore. So and I'm fine with it, but I considered myself lucky to have just a single twelve ounce bottle of it and is very good. And now I'm moving on to Central Waters from Amherst, Wisconsin. They have this incredible barrel age program and I'm drinking uh, their 2014 barley wine ale. It's, it's a beautiful bourbon barrel aged barley wine. I'm trying to remember the alcohol content because they don't list it. It's probably a little over 10. But uh, here's to the repeal of prohibition. Yeah. Do you know which president uh, signed the 21st Amendment? I want to say it was... Nope. Okay. I'm not going with that. (laughs) I'm embarrassed that I don't know this. I'd have to say the only reason I do know it is because on Trivia Crack today, this was a question. Oh, no. Is it... Okay. I'm going to take a complete long shot answer. Go ahead. Taft. No. Okay. <laughs> it was, <laughs> that was uh, probably a while ago. FDR. Oh, Cause, okay. Cause if you consider, I think he was the longest sitting president. He was three and a half terms. I think I might wow. be completely off it now, but, um, it was, uh, 1921, I think is when it was repealed. Very interesting. So, um, just minor factoid for you there. Well, I'm glad I know that. I do know the president that uh, repealed the law against homebrewing. I didn't know there was a law against homebrewing. There was a law because otherwise everyone would just go willy-nilly back in the day when, you know, people would just brew their own beer or gin or whiskey. Some bathtub whiskey. Exactly. So people would do that all the time. And this is also following the prohibition where... People were still doing that, and so there was still a law against it. But it was Jimmy Carter that repealed the law against homebrewing. And so now the world is a much better place for that as well. I think so. So I am drinking a sad-ass Sierra Nevada pale ale. And I say that because it is... Spoiled, I think. Or, you know, yeah. it's just been. I got it at the gas station. It's old. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's not good. It uh, well, and pale ales and IPAs for all you listeners out there are the beers that will die out the quickest because the hop profile that was intended by the by the brewer is best fresh, as fresh as the day it leaves the brewery, and it slowly dies out and also is the most subject to oxidation and also skunking. Yeah, this um, one by UV light. It's bad. I'm selling. Well, upset, but hey, you you probably should be because uh, Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale is truly a beautiful beer when fresh, and I think that the craft brewer, the craft uh, breweries out there owe a lot to Ken Grossman and the fine folks at Sierra Nevada for the the risks they took, and uh, it's very it's right up there for me with Anchor Steam and Sam Adams Boston Lager. I think as, it's it's as just being influential. It's a staple beer. It's uh, widely available. It's I mean, yeah. I think it's pretty. If you pick up a nice sixer of it, you know, like eight nine bucks, I think it's good for the a, price. Yeah, it's a no. I think it's a phenomenal beer. Yeah, nobody, especially like out in California or anywhere across the U.S., because I'm pretty sure it's available in every state. Uh, maybe. I feel like it's probably even available in Alaska. Well, or Hawaii. 
Yeah, they might be. But they nobody, nobody, nobody should be ashamed about buying that beer. No, I think this is this is like step two of making your way into the craft brew scene. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. start on like Blue Moon or you know sure. Shock Top. That's kind of like the entry level beer that's not too harsh on the palate. And yeah, so then you kind of it's like it's a gateway beer. And so here's the natural progression, uh, which is uh, the gateway beers. You know, you have Blue Moon, maybe Summit EPA up here, so you're in Nevada Pale Ale. And then all of a sudden, everyone finds out how truly amazing beer can taste. And then they go right into the bourbon barrel or barrel aged beers. And they start drinking up all your stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's delicious beer, and it's. I'm happy more people are drinking it. But it is a very limited resource. And then some people find their way into sour beer, an appreciation for that. But then you see the pendulum swing again, and so many people are like, God, I just, I've drank IPAs for like six months in a row, like every night. They all bled together. Like, we need to try some new things. And then you see the pendulum swing towards really subtle pilsners or Kolsch's, or even yeah, or even German beer, uh, British ESBs, very subtle beer that won't knock you on your ass. You can have a few of them. And so, anyways, that is uh, our craft beer insight for the week. Let's talk about video games again, Miles. What do you say? Uh, yeah, I'm good with that. I um... okay, cool. Anyways, National Beer Day. National Beer Day. Happy National Beer Day to you, Miles. And you as well, good sir. So, back to Halo real quick. Do you have a favorite of... Did you play Halo 4? Oh, yeah. So, do you have a favorite of the four? Of the four? Yep. So, So Halo Reach can't be a favorite. Um, I guess. I never played that one. Okay, Halo Reach's storyline was amazing. Okay. And I also sunk a fair amount of time into the multiplayer, even though... A lot of people said it was botched. I think that overall, I had a a load of fun at the at the time in my life and the place where I was with Halo Reach. But I gotta say that top one bar none is Halo Two, hmm. which makes me super excited about getting back into the the game and trying it out. And but I will say that most of my nostalgia was for the multiplayer in Halo Two because Xbox Live had just come into its heyday. Mm-hmm. And Halo 2 was essentially the harbinger for what would become the Xbox Live PSN service. And it was a pretty phenomenal thing. I do have the belts of, in the first week that Halo 2 was out, I was in the top 100 in Rumble matches in the world. Nice. Yeah. and then Were you in college everyone, at that time? I was working, actually, a job in between college stints. and uh, In between college stints. I like it. Yeah, because... Yeah, because I didn't go to college for about a year, so I was working and playing Halo 2 and spending time with my girlfriend and her family. And uh, so I played the hell out of Halo 2, and I was pretty good at Halo 1, and I just got into Rumble, I think, or I think it was like Free For All, Six Man, and I was in the top 100 ranked in the world. And then the second week of it being out, everyone got really Fall good. From grace. <laughs> yeah. There was no grace to begin with, but that was my that was my very brief spot. You just had like a, a grace <clears throat> by default. Yeah, because you could actually look up your your username on uh, the Halo or on Bungie.net. That's kind of forward thinking for its time. Oh yeah, for sure. And and so you could look up your username and you could look up top one hundred or whatever. And I think I got up to eighty five. 
I think it was some it was somewhere in the 80s. 85 or 82 or something like that. Well, I can firmly say I've never been on a leaderboard like that from what I know. Oh, really? Know. I, th- I guess Chris had told me that I had been in... I would I had been like one of 50 people to break 100,000 damage in a Heroes of the Storm game while it was in alpha, something like that. So that was wow. kind of cool, I guess. I never verified that, but I just said oh that's cool i'm gonna pat myself on the back now that's a little bit of he's like drooling he's like wait oh my god (laughs) and you're like well especially this is chris he knows he knows about the warcraft numbers scene right yep it's like i would do a run with him he's like i'm gonna see if i can hit 150k damage on this guy like uh okay (laughs) i I don't know just go ahead yeah you do your thing just just be awesome man um but yeah, well, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely some of your MOBA background speaking there. Uh, speaking of MOBAs, uh, I'm back into League of Legends. Yeah. Well, you talked about that a little bit last uh, podcast with the Renekton yeah. winning spree. How is that winning yeah. spree going? Well, spree or streak, I did manage. you like to say? Uh, it's, a, it's a winning streak. Okay. Winning streak and a killing spree. Right. But I. So I got into Silver 2. I got promoted, hey. which is pretty cool. I'm going to try and shoot very loosely for gold again this season just to kind of see if I can do it, but I won't have the gusto that I did last time that I went for it. So this will be... What season is it now? Uh, So we're in season five. Okay. Yeah, the game's been out for a while, and... How many other golds have you gotten before? I've I've gotten gold one season. One season. Which one was that? Season three. What was the skin? I forget. Do you remember? Uh, it was the Victorious Elise I skin. I think I got it that season two then. I think so, because you actually had gotten into it because we were both kind of trying to get it around the same time, but our work schedules were a little off, so we weren't actually going for it, like playing the same games. Yeah. And so you, you had Austin basically smurf you into gold. Pretty much. Do you remember exact, that? Yeah. And then, and then I was just basically soloing it. Yeah, you had was like I'm gonna f- I'm gonna f and do this. You had a challenging time. I I did. I that was those were dark times. I remember when I hit those gold. Were dark times. I I yeah. almost like started like tearing up. It was like ridiculous. I was so <laughs> just relieved to got have gotten there. I was just like I've been on the precipice of it so many times. I've been in silver one and just right. i i remember i had gotten a promo series to get into silver one i think seven times and lost seven times oh. and it was just so that is yeah that's extremely demoralizing I, I was just so done and i think that after i got to gold that was kind of the beginning of the end of League of Legends for me, just because like mm. I, I'm just kind of done. Like, yeah, you put your stamp in it. Not e- gold's not even. I mean, what? There's... No, I mean it's something, right? It's I especially like for me if I get gold. Like I've told other people that I'm a gold player mm-hmm. a few times when they're like, "Oh, I play League too," and they're like, "Oh my god, you're gold." So I think there's something to be said about it. Obviously, we're not killing it at gold two and plat like right. a few of our cronies. But... <laughs> yeah, who shall go unnamed, lest their yeah. egos go unbounded. <laughs> lest their egos be stroked. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I it was a good goal for me. And then once I reached it, I just kind of checked out because it had drained me so much. I would come home from work. 
and I would just dedicate my evenings to grinding out you know the the road mm. to gold this leads me to uh kind of something i wanted to talk about tonight especially just considering league of legends and also thinking about some other games that i might want to play in the upcoming league uh, upcoming weeks what i kind of wanted to talk about this week is uh sort of making your gaming hours count right yeah well this t- yeah i i talked about that last week as well about how yeah i look at things very much from as a value proposition. Yeah, kind of just like very pragmatic in the way I spend my time and my money, you know, just my energy as a whole. Yeah, let's uh, d- dive right into let's this. Let's dive in. Okay, so I'm I'm thinking about, as I just mentioned, making the push to gold. And so League of Legends is a game that I very much enjoy. And the one thing that I have up on a, a lot of like newer players is that I've been playing the game for quite some time now. And I have this, you know, I've, I've built up the knowledge base that's needed to succeed at this game and you also develop this sort of sixth sense about when you should head back out of danger when you should capitalize on enemies mistakes when you should go for objectives things like that so one thing that within this game and mobas and also just games in general is just sort of rather than playing to well i shouldn't say that sometimes you should just play games for fun for enjoyment i think i think actually most of the time it should be the case for that but when you're doing things like grinding or like trying to reach a milestone your time is best spent playing smart taking lessons you've learned that the game has taught you and applying them to meet your goal essentially. And so what I've been kind of bringing myself to when playing League of Legends is taking that intuition and not ignoring it and taking the things I know about the the game and not ignoring it and using them to essentially hedge the odds in my favor, try and make my gaming time in the game count. So you can make as, you know, as meaningful of an impact as one player out of 5 can possibly make. And also a and uh, yeah exactly and also a meaningful impact in my gaming time right that i take it seriously as fun and this for me gaming my highlights of gaming have always been the competitive things like we talked about halo 2 league of legends is huge even call of duty modern warfare i really love playing against another person and and learning things about the competition and also learning things about how to be better at the game. I had talked about this before with someone, and it's that, you know, us gamers and our group of friends, we're we're not fit guys relatively, I guess. You're talking about physically? I mean, we're not obese. Right. I'd say most of us live relatively balanced lives. Yeah. I wouldn't say that any of us are particularly like athletically inclined though in the sense that you know we never were kind of star athletes of our schools or colleges grady being the exception i'd argue but i've had my moments but i was never the star i can tell you that right and i think that gaming is an interesting avenue to touch upon what you're saying about kind of outsmarting your opponents gaming is an it's an arena where you can compete where physicality is kind of removed from the equation in some ways but we do see obviously the younger players in starcraft mobas propelling themselves ahead of the older crowd right because of because of reaction time Mm -hmm. and also synapses connecting i'm gonna go with that being austin's 
saving grace because we all know he's not the brightest egg in the shed (laughs) just kidding so i i think it's gaming is interesting in that sense because you can you can have a team environment where you compete and it's not really you know you're not governed by your physical body and i think that's kind of i don't know i think it's a great avenue for people to satisfy that competitive urge that i think we're all inherently kind of born with so i i'm i just i've enjoyed getting into multiplayer games ever since college when i finally got an internet connection that was reliable and right i could actually compete you know like on a somewhat you know like on a level playing field i I think it's what you're saying about outsmarting your opponents and you learn the game mechanics or your character's mechanics right but everyone finds something rewarding about games, so I, I think like we need to talk about maybe what we find to be the best ways to capitalize on our gaming time. So for me, because I like competitive gaming, Heroes of the Storm, League of Legends, I like competitive board games, I think there needs to be an application of what you've learned in the game uh, to to find enjoyment out of it so that's for me one thing that i think that uh gamers nowadays especially with the slew of games that are out there if you want to be good at something and you want to be good at something competitively whether it be an fps or a real-time strategy or a moba you need there's a there's a definite learning curve and a time investment where you get your butt kicked Mm -hmm. And you that that can be discouraging for some players, absolutely. You know, as our time becomes more valuable, we're like, do I really want to invest time into something where I feel like I am the loser all the time? And in some cases, I'm getting socially ridiculed. I have been thinking about this lately, and I talked to Chris a little bit about this. So when we started hanging out, Chris and Grady and Ryan, we started playing... Mario Kart 8, because that came out around the time we first met. And then, you know, board games, obviously. And then uh, Super Smash Brothers. And what I've come to kind of realize lately is that those three, Chris and Grady probably more so, are on such a higher level than me at Mario Kart and Super Smash Brothers specifically, that I can spend a whole night playing both of those games and i just i don't win i don't win like i win maybe five percent of the time like i think yeah Yeah. it's tough and so what i've found lately is i just get i'm just kind of dejected you know i just don't even feel like playing anymore and so it got to one point we were hanging out last time where i just said they were like oh well you know play smash again i was like no you guys play and i just watched them play because that was more enjoyable to me than sitting there and just getting my ass handed to me over and over and over again. I uh... but also it's at the point too where even in that even on that minor scale where you could play for a weekend, you know, you could play that game straight. Talk to them about what they're doing. Talk to them about strategies or little moves or combos or something like that, and put them into practice and be a better player. But again, with that sort of value proposition of how much time do I want to seek in this versus how much enjoyment am I getting out of it? I find myself more and more watching games on Twitch and sort of watching high-level play in different games without desiring to learn how to be better at one specific game just out of 
pleasure of watching someone be good at a game. Mm-hmm. You know, and and sort of having that little amazement, you know, without trying to learn it. That's exactly right, and that's kind of where I'm at in like in that realm that that realm that I'm talking about with uh, Super Smash Brothers and Mario Kart. I used to be on a level playing field, and as time's gone on, I've somehow missed a step, and it's just. I, it's no longer fun to me to just sit there and lose. And I don't mean that to sound like, oh, I'm being a poor sport. It's just like when you're clearly like out of your league, it's it's not fun. And So, what, Miles, do you like competitive games? Yes. Okay. What game would you say you are the best at right now? Goldeneye. No. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say. I, I, I think... Of all the games, of, the of all the games that I've ever played, the game I've felt most like adept at is Goldeneye, probably historically. Okay. But, but right now, I, I'm just saying that's like the standout example for me. Sure. But now I would say, yeah, Heroes of the Storm. I tried to get back okay. into League of Legends, and it was just so utterly overwhelming as compared yeah. to Heroes of the Storm. Well, uh, yeah, Heroes of the Storm is like, you know, they call LOL Dota for babies, but Heroes of the Storm is very much like MOBA for babies. But it's, uh, so you're still getting a fair amount of enjoyment out of that. Is the regular crew that we have played with usually on on a regular basis? Yeah, every, it seems pretty much every night. We'll use, we've had up to eight people, you know, on standby just wanting to play. And, um, oh, that's nice. We have to shuffle a few people in an hour. People have to oh. volunteer to sit out, but, yeah. That's almost enough to start a whole other team. Yeah. Or to, do they have custom games in that yet? They do, but um, okay. you don't get any experience out of them. So it's just sure. like you just kind of plug away at each other. We've done a couple. It's pretty interesting. Nice. So I I don't know where do you want to go with this conversation? I mean, we probably want to wrap it up to just keep it under an hour, but I feel like maybe we'll talk about Ori in the Blind Forest next week in the little one-offs that we've been playing. Sure. That might be a good good thing if we can get it up onto the website and give our listeners sort of a little reference point to like what we've been enjoying. Ori in the Blind Forest as I mentioned is available on Xbox One and Steam and I highly recommend it. Heroes of the Storm is available on PC. League of Legends is on PC and Macintosh. That's right, yeah. 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 And uh let's see. What else what else should we talk about? I feel like So I just want to go back to that. If you've never felt like completely to the point where you're just like I'm kind of done throwing the towel you've never felt that way in a video game no I have you know but there's certain games that make me come back you know sure and it's always the games that like that I've had a level of dominance at so I'm seeing it resurge again Mm -hmm. with League of Legends and with Halo and with Smash Brothers because I just had a Smash Brothers party with some of my co-workers we had beer or it was uh Cigars and Smash oh, was the nice. theme. Yeah, so we had cigars and we played Smash Brothers and we had some good conversation. Which, um, uh, but also for Wii U. Yeah, yeah, for Wii U, absolutely. What's your character? Your strongest character? I really like. I really like Zero Suit Samus. Yep. I I I wouldn't say she's my strongest, but I really like the little nuances with 
how she plays and how she can zone people and some of the combos. I'd say, I don't know, maybe she is becoming my main because I've played more of her lately. But I also, re- I've been playing that one-on-one right. uh, lately online because for whatever, you know, it's obvious, it's obvious that there's not as many people connected to it, but it's the most stable in playing online in that mess of what we know as uh, Nintendo's internet sort of universe service yeah it's service yeah i feel like i'm getting serviced by like a sander or something when i play yeah yeah it's pretty awful the one-on-one situation is pretty clean and pretty fun and i've even had it's you know one of those things where like you'll just have like one friend and they'll just dominate you as a you know as hit or Kirby or Pikachu or something like that. And they'll just dominate you again and again, and you'll just beat your head against the wall playing against them, trying to pick up on what their tells are right. and their little, their little you know, nuances to how they play and what they like to do to try and figure out a way how to beat them. Like, that's completely available in the 1v1 because people are online, and they'll usually play, like, until you quit. You know, so you're just playing against the same person sometimes for like half an hour, 45 minutes, like 10 matches against the same person is not unheard of in Smash one-on-one. It's just like a lobby you sit in? No, basically, so you log in and you're like, I want to do 1v1 and it'll find you a partner. Oh, right? okay. It's it's 1v1 online hmm. and and it'll find you a partner and it's basically whoever bows out, it'll find another person for the person that stays. Huh. But so some people they and you do it for glory, right? So you have the for fun and for glory, yeah, right. And so you do the for glory, which essentially counts as your MMR. And so I have no problem sucking in MMR, <laughs> but these people that are beating me again and again and again, they're getting MMR for beating me again and again and again. But I like that, just sort of like that vendetta against one person, mm-hmm. that competitive nature again. And I'm just like, yeah, let's just play, let's just play. You know, like I needed to like put it on hold so I could go to work <laughs> on time. You know, but I would have kept playing for another 45 minutes against the same person, and I feel like that's very reminiscent of that competitive nostalgia that I've had. That's interesting to me. Like I, I, I guess I'm a different kind of gamer in the competitive sense. Yeah. I do not like individual competition in general. Um, uh-huh. I like team-based competition okay. with the exception of like tennis or racquetball or badminton or something in real life. Okay. With the exception of that, like I do not like one-on-one competition. It's just too much pressure, I guess. You like you like the collaboration. Yeah, that's exactly aspect. right. Yeah. Okay. So so uh, that's I mean that obviously lends you towards MOBAs uh-huh. with friends. I'd really like to get you back into League of Legends and to just give you like a quick little rundown of things. But again, League of Legends is moving at such a fast pace, and there's there's just like so many like little tweaks, and like there's just so much weird stuff like. Apparently Nautilus is really, really good now. There's so much weird things going on. Like, the things that you just know over the course of two seasons just, like, change a little bit, you know? The thing that like I struggle Graves with... Graves is back in play. Graves is oh, back in play. Oh, man. Graves used to be laughably just yeah, overpowered. Just horrible. I love that guy. He was just such a joker when that, <laughs> the Soraka Graves bot lane. It was just like, oh, my God. 
Oh, oh my god. god. Yeah. But I the thing that I struggle with in that game now is that when I come home from work mainly, I I don't want to be tasked with thinking so much about a game. And in uh-huh. League of Legends, you know, you got to pick your summoner spells, you got to buy your starting items, your ward, you, you have to go place masteries. That's right. Th- those usually are a little bit more static, but like game to game, depending on who you're playing, you got to buy your items, you got to buy your ward, go place the ward, focus on the last hitting, keep yeah. timer of the dragons, and and then the thing that kills me so much is that when you kill the enemy team, you have to press tab to see how long, who's dead, how long they're dead for and everything sure. else. In Heroes of the Storm, all of that information right. is so readily available right. to you. You're saying the UI is a little better in Heroes of the Storm. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, the and quality of life stuff. Yep. I mean, the one thing that I like, though, is, like, even if you were to come back to League of Legends, you know, like, if anyone were to come back at a certain amount of time, even with the improvements that Heroes of the Storm has made as far as quality of life stuff, because there are all these little sort of technicalities and little things to learn in the game, there's it, it feels like an endless amount of things you can get better at. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what I found in Heroes of the Storm. Actually, was like I just play like a really really solid game, and I'm like, okay, so what could I have done better? No, it mostly feels like about the team fights and that collaboration and things like that. Obviously, there's there's. You know, if we were to talk about the number of choices you can make in a MOBA, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But and and how you could have acted differently. But I love the little nuances in League of Legends that are like, okay, I placed the ward there and I didn't die because of it. Like I made the choice to just step away from lane for a moment and I didn't die because I had vision on that spot. And also things like okay, I recognize at this point in the game one person is going to be the bigger carry and the person that's going to do the most damage. And then later on in the game, I recognize that, for example, like the Jinx is going to do the most damage. They're 80 carry, and so I'm going to jump on them. <laughs> it's a little like application of knowledge to prevail over competition that excites me. And that little like sort of osmosis of knowledge... And then the application that leads to success that really gets me going. Yeah, I could see that because like there are definitely a lot of like the the power curve of any one champion in League of Legends is so much more dynamic than you know that of, than heroes. You know. But the thing I struggle with again is that there are so many easy, quick changes, just like quality of life that League of Legends could make that would make it seem by comparison so much more accessible. But right. it's just But they're too they're too far entrenched right. to like change anything like that, you know. So I that's the part that I think is gonna be a big roadblock to ever returning to League of Legends is just because it's so vastly overwhelming. It's like sensory yeah. overload and uh I've gotten used to just like I, I like I said, I just don't wanna think that hard when I come home from sure. work. I don't know. Maybe it's uh differing it's like shifting value i guess but so if we were to think of like the most mind-numbing thing that you could play when you got home from work like uh like let's say uh, i'd say minecraft (laughs) probably that's pretty good but also there's that level of creativity let's say like gears of war campaign 
Yeah. Or something like um, that. Like, <laughs> let's see here. Most mindless. I, I think Forza is pretty mindless, honestly. Yeah, the driving, yeah. sure. Yeah. So, why aren't you playing the most mind-numbing thing where you don't make a lot of hard decisions versus something where you do need to be coordinated and talking to people? I, I think there's a, a social aspect, too. I think okay. I think coming yep. home from work and jumping on Skype or Mumble is... It's nice to kind of talk to people, and obviously the conversation is rather cursory because you are in-game and you're ultimately trying to focus on what's happening in-game. But just that communal sort of feel and socializing with your peer group and your age group rather than when you know, you're in the workplace and you might have people your age and you might not, but when you come home and you right. kind of tie into people your age and of similar interest. And I think that to sure. me, I don't know. It's invigorating. Yeah. It's uh rejuvenizing. I, I'd say so. Reju- rejuvenating. Rejuvenatizing. Uh, yeah, um, sure. I like it. Let's coin it. Right. Uh, so that's kind of my take on it. Um, and then the other thing that was kind of funny from the league of legends standpoint when we tried to play League of Legends on Extra Life, I was just done for at like I don't know eight eight o'clock that night because it was so taxing to be just playing all those games throughout the duration of the sure. event, and I was just like, oh my god, I did not, I was not aware of like the fatigue that sets in after playing this game. Yeah. So I'm a baby. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'd say that's true. No, yeah, but I mean that's kind of what we're talking about, and we'll continue to talk about in sort of in broad terms of you know the games that you choose to play. For me right now, uh, kind of examine that sort of competitive nature. I get a lot of reward out of that stuff, and I did get a lot of reward out of you know uh, here's the storm with some amazing Twitch. Oh God, I'm already gonna forget his name. <laughs> uh, fatty that sucks people in. Uh, stitches. Stitches, <laughs> the amazing Stitches plays yeah. coming out of Zeratul Bubble, uh-huh. things like that. You know, it's very rewarding. But I've also, I, I, I also feel like if I'm playing ranked solo or if I'm playing a solo game where I'm just like out to win it, I can feel like I can carry a little harder in League of Legends. Yeah, yeah I, I because would I'm not as that. reliant. I I would say that's the, the case. Team. I mean, that's what happens with the balance of the game, right? Because they're balancing the game to make everyone on the same field, but then the people that are making poor decisions are also just as influential to the game Mm -hmm. as the people that are making really good decisions all the time. Yeah, Heroes is such a different balance overall. It's very much team and objective-based. And League of Legends, like, individuals can shine in that game like they really can big time that's the thing that's always attracted me i guess is like even though i've never been the one to like shine like just like crazy i've i've had those those little moments moments. yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. you know like i'm not like the demigod that austin or zach are but yeah actually amazing it's unreal (laughs) it's insane you have those like you have those little moments where you're like okay my farm is really good i'm gonna make these little decisions where you know, I teleport here to either save a tower or to assist with dragon, and my team is better for it, and I'm doing really well 
you know, and then you shine at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. I like that kind of stuff. You just pay your own dividends by being conservative and playing smart. Yeah, for sure. Even if, like, I like the idea, too, of, like, even if you suck it up in the first ten minutes and you're two down, you can save your tower, you can still get some farm and try and sort of balance the equation. Right. And, uh, and come back to it. And because you didn't feed too hard and because you weren't awful at the game, uh, your, your team could carry you, you know? I, I, you weren't as light a burden or as heavy a burden. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember, I've, you know, I, there's a few standout games that I remember now of, you know, laning with Alex in particular, and it's just we're just telling each other, listen, let's just be freaking, let's not get, you know, too like overwhelmed. Yeah, you gotta be cold. Exactly. You gotta just be cold. Just, you know, let's go back to lane, fresh, clean slate. You know. And just yeah. go from there. You can't play from behind. You gotta just kind of keep a level head, and I, that's what I do like about League of Legends. That sort of it's so much more volatile in a way. Because, yeah, it's very fluid. Yeah, right. Very liquid that you can make like a couple little decisions, and it'll change the game. Yeah. Whereas we've had games within like ten minutes in Heroes of the Storm that are like it's lost. Yeah. Yeah, I, which is crazy to me because it's supposed to be the opposite, but it but it's all dependent on on the nature of the human mind, mm-hmm. the gamer's mind, right? We're like, oh, I made a bad choice, but it doesn't matter too much because my teammates are picking up the slack. And then in League of Legends, it's oh, I made a bad choice, but it's okay because I can make different decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's such a different. Uh... Yeah, I comparing the two. Here's the storm can be very frustrating when you're playing with strangers because you as an individual don't have as much of an impact. It's you got to have, have a lot more cohesion, I'd say. You can't be as yeah. maverick in uh, Heroes of the Storm as you can in League of Legends. Yeah. It's definitely about following orders and being a unit. It's a lot more about order of operations and League of Legends. Is... But it's funny, like as we're talking about this, like I realize there's more bleed over in our what we're saying about the two games uh-huh. than what we like how we're differentiating them. But this is a whole another podcast, I think, is about MOBA MOBAs dissection. And, yeah, MOBA dissection. Because I think that all of our friends that might in, like individually listen to this podcast, uh, what are you talking about interested. individually? They're coming in droves, man. Yeah, I, okay. I don't know as how you're as... keeping the server up, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know or the website. Rather, it's hosted by some demigod. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we've uh, we've hit the ending point of uh, the daily grind. What level are we on now? Uh, we're on. Uh, level two. There you go. <laughs> level two. I was like, he's got to get this. It's actually pretty awesome. That would be a great. We're gonna start doing that for now. Yeah, instead of episodes, yeah, we're you've reached levels. Level, yeah, you've reached level two with us at the daily grind. Yep. Episode two, and uh, very happy that you listened to it and endured our fleeting conversation. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. We, while we try and stay on topic, it's we're bad at grinding. Ironically. We're bad at grinding away on one topic. <laughs> We're 
really bad. Yeah. But again, it's the daily grind. We learn a little bit more every day. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing it, bringing the segue around. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're very grateful that you, the listener, have uh, stuck with us this long, and we hope that uh, we've been entertaining, and uh, you can join us next time on the daily grind. And I hope you had a uh, nice, lovely beer today. Yes. National Beer Day. Woo woo. Whoop.